This is True Self, a podcast about seeking to know who we really are using the language of astrology. I'm Laura Sweat. A Leo can be extroverted or introverted, extravagant or a little more low-key, conceited or downright humble. Some are leaders, some are performers, some take up a starring role in their social circles. The thing that marks a Leo above any other quality is that they attract our attention. We're drawn to them like we're drawn toward the warmth of the sun or a crackling fire. We gather around them, we absorb their energy. Often we do this whether or not we even like them. The part of our chart where we find Leo is where we attract attention, where we are the sun or the hearth, and where we find important keys to celebrating and enjoying our own unique expression of self in this lifetime. On today's episode, we're thinking about what Leo has to teach us about achieving self-actualization, the fulfillment of our highest potentialities and talents. We'll ask what it would look like to take perfect creative joy in who we are. And we'll explore how the solar radiance of Leo shows up in our personalities using our birth charts as a guide. The strength, creative fire, and brilliant warmth of Leo, today on True Self. ruled by the sun, and the sun is especially important in Western astrology. We build our understanding of when the astrological year begins and ends based on the sun's light. So when the sunlight is equal in the spring, when we reach the equinox, that's the first day of Aries season, and it's the first day of the astrological year. When we get to the longest day, the most amount of sunlight, that's the summer solstice. It's the first day of cancer season. When we get to equilibrium again, equal daylight and nighttime in the autumn, the autumnal equinox, that starts Libra season. And when we get to the shortest day of the year, the least sunlight of the year, that's the winter solstice and it starts Capricorn season. Those are the cardinal signs and the astrological year is built around them. They form the four major angles of the year, and then the other signs fill in in between. In Western astrology, the sun is critically important. It tells us so much about how we are experiencing astrology. And the sun rules Leo. So Leo's reputation for being kind of king of the signs, sovereign of the signs, comes in some way in Western astrology from the fact that we have placed the sun in a position of such importance and it rules only one sign. So when we're talking about what the sun means in our own birth charts, there's a number of different ways that we can kind of conceive of it. And it can be easy to get confused when you start to learn more about astrology between the rising sign and the sun sign and the moon sign initially. So the sun sign in Western astrology, it's your will to incarnate. The reason you came to this planet in this lifetime, you can find that in your sun sign. 
There's a lot of other information about that, obviously, all over your chart. But if you're looking for the driving spirit of this incarnation, you find that in your sun sign. Sometimes people refer to this as the ego, but I think that gets a little confusing because there's a lot of different definitions of ego. So I think it can be, even though it takes longer to say, a little more clear to talk about the sun as the will to incarnate or the reason for incarnating. The sun can also give us information about our parents and about our vitality, our health and wellness. So if you've ever heard of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you might know that Maslow, a psychologist, came up with this idea of the needs of a human being laid out in a pyramid with the most basic needs at the bottom. And then as those needs are met consecutively, sort of stacking on each other, you can get to the next level. So at the bottom of that pyramid is physiological needs like water, food, shelter, sleep. And at the top of that pyramid, once you've met your need for safety, your need for love and belonging, and your need for esteem, you get to self-actualization. And self-actualization is the realization of your full potential and your full talents. Leo points to this capacity for self-actualization. So a hermetic philosopher would say, the divine created you so that it could be you, and you are the one who created yourself. Okay, heady concept to put in just a few seconds there. But the idea when you're looking at your birth chart is that that personality is a creation of the divine. We can return back to the idea of ego here because a lot of the time, if we're, say, speaking from a Buddhist tradition or a Buddhist perspective, we think of attachment to ego as being what traps us in uh, a nightmare, right, of, like, self-regard and and not being able to experience the divine present moment. So this perspective in the tradition from which Western astrology descends, it's a little less ascetic and it's saying, no, you are beautiful and everything about you is fantastic. It's a unique expression of the divine. It's gorgeous. When you share it with people, you are sharing the gift that is you. The thing that can get you really stuck and trapped is getting caught in survival mind or the animal part of your brain that just wants to be comfortable and doesn't want to experience. Where we can see this play out with the sign of Leo, the survival mind versus the kind of spiritual possibility, has to do with celebration of self versus seeking approval. So when a Leo is sort of uh, high-vibing, they are experiencing the joy of being themselves. They are kind of delighted by their own quirks and eccentricities. They're enjoying what it feels like to be who they are, finding immense satisfaction and pleasure and creative juice in the constellation of traits that make up them. But if a Leo is in survival mind, they might be seeking approval and having that 
sort of spiritual high calling to enjoy being who they are and share that with the world sort of captured by this survival instinct to have approval and admiration from others. The reason I'm saying that's a survival instinct is that we're social animals and our survival is so dependent on being liked by the group. And so when enjoying being who we are sort of crosses a bridge into needing approval and affirmation or looking for people to tell us that who we are is okay, then we've lost our sovereignty, right? Sovereignty being such a theme of Leo. The sovereignty is you are for you. You're not really, you don't, you can share who you are with others as a gift and that's great, but the joy of being you is really for you. It's not, you don't need other people to tell you you're doing a good job. That joy is within you. When the survival mind captures that drive, it turns it into, I have to show that I'm great so that people give me approval and tell me that I'm great um, because that's how I have value in a group. So I feel like I'm making that sound very simple. Like, yeah, no problem. Just don't care about other people's approval and everything's fine. It's not really like that, right? <laughs> you spend a lot of time working with concepts like this, uh, developing your capacity to enjoy who you are, uh, slowly working away from seeking approval. It's not a snap your fingers and you're done type of thing. But when we look at the way that this works for Leo, we can kind of see the highs and the lows for Leo, right? The high being this extraordinary capacity for self-actualization and the ability to show others what that looks like. And then the low dipping into like narcissism where there has to be constant affirmation or the person feels empty. And to be clear, every sign is capable of self-actualization, obviously, but Leo has this capacity to exemplify it, to show us what it looks like um, and that's part of its gift to the rest of us. Now, if all of this is feeling very like one-sided, I'm going to come back to the concept that every sign has a sister sign that represents the completion of the theme and the polarity of the sign, the perfect opposite and complement. So the Leo sister sign is Aquarius, where Leo represents perfect pleasure in our identity and our own individual self, Aquarius represents our understanding of ourselves as part of a collective. And even if you want to get a little uh, deep with it, Aquarius almost represents being able to take that joy of the individual and see it applied to the collective, the understanding that the individual is the same as the collective. But when we're talking about it in most mundane matters, we're talking about Leo representing identity and Aquarius representing community. You know, this axis is this kind of high resonance of humanity. It's a really, in the worksheet that's up on the website, I've called this axis creation, which I think is a little... It's the diciest of the labels I've put on any of the six axes. But Leo and Aquarius are where we like step into our fullness. 
In Leo, we step into the fullness of our own individual identities, and in Aquarius, we step into the fullness of the collective experience. So what do these traits look like when they show up in a human being? Well, as I referred to at the top of the episode, there's different ways Leos can show up. They don't all show up as these very ostentatious, uh, showy people. Some Leos can be very low-key and not nearly as out there as the image of the sign uh, tends to hold. But the thing that you can see in every Leo is that they have this presence or this warmth. Some of them even kind of glow. Like Leo, more than any other sign, is likely to have a kind of ruddy or sunny appearance. It's like red hair, glowy skin, tan well, a lot of them. Like they 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 really embody sunniness in a lot of ways. And while you can find the performing Leos, the Leos that are really out there and very fashionable and all that stuff, you also can find Leos who that's not really how it expresses for them. But if you put them in a situation where people need to fall behind a leader, they kind of naturally step into that role. Or, you know, you never really forget them. They like stand out in your mind. They're very, their personalities are very memorable. I read some kind of article years ago, and I don't remember the source at all, and I can't find it again. So take this about as seriously as that would imply you should take it. But the article said that the vast majority of CEOs were Leos, and that then Scorpios and Sagittariuses were uh, tied for a second. And, you know... I have no idea if it's true because I can't remember where it came from. But what the idea of that points me to is that the Leo capacity not only to be themselves fully, but also to bring people in around them, to kind of gather people around them like they are a hearth, like they are the sun, that tends to roll towards some kind of leadership in one way or another or some kind of performance. This is the last fire sign we'll cover in this series, so I want to talk briefly about fire as an element. Fire is the element we associate with creativity and inspiration. It is a profoundly destructive element, right? So I remember that in the cancer episode, I talked about the creation that is found in destruction, the idea that after the fields flood, they become more fertile. There's a very similar concept to be found in the element of fire. After things burn down, new things grow out of the ashes. So there's generalized fire, which is Aries as the cardinal sign. Aries kind of holds all the different types of fire. There's mutable fire, which is like sudden or changeable fire. So we can think electricity, lightning, We can even find the sort of unpredictability of a forest fire in mutable fire, in Sagittarius fire, although perhaps unpredictability is part of the fire element in general. But Sagittarius, we tend to associate more with like electricity and lightning, sudden, quick, unpredictable fire. And then Leo represents fixed fire. It's the fire in a hearth, the fire of the sun. 
all fire is dangerous, kind of as an inherent quality of the element. And so a lot of fire sign regret falls into the category of destroying things unthinkingly in sort of the fit of passion and realizing that they cannot be recovered after the fact. So it's really interesting to think about the fact that fire is an inherently unstable element. It's an unpredictable element, an an element that jumps from place to place, creates like rampant destruction in certain scenarios. I've recently had quite an experience with fire that I'm going to talk about a little later, but fire is terrifying and it is inherently unpredictable. And yet in Leo, we see it fixed. We see it held in place. The representation of fire as the sun or fire in the hearth that shows us the way we're thinking of this very destructive element in a fixed state, in a stable state. The strength card in the tarot is the card we associate with the sign of Leo. And I think that gives us a really good understanding of what fire looks like when it is controlled. So if you're not familiar with the card, it is a woman gently holding open the mouth of a lion and it's called strength. And the implication of the image is that she is in perfect control, even that she is in perfect control of her passions, right? The lion represents that animal passion, and simply by gently holding it, she is controlling it. In the Thoth Tarot, the representation of Leo is called Lust, and it's a woman riding a lion-like creature. And Alistair Crowley said he wanted to represent it as lust because lust is the pleasure of strength exercised. So the wisdom we can gather from these representations of Leo in the tarot basically boils down to the wisdom of experiencing passion fully while remaining in gentle control of it. That's Leo fire. And as a final note on Leo and the personality, we should note that we are back in the fixed signs, and so stubbornness is a real trait to contend with in all the fixed signs. Leo stubbornness looks like a kind of haughtiness or a refusal to bend to another person. And with that, we're going to get into the personalized sign readings, what Leo means in your own chart. This is how the sign of Leo characterizes your chart. Your chart has all 12 signs of the zodiac in it, and Leo is one of them, and we're going to talk about how it characterizes your life today. You can listen to this, watch this, uh, based on your rising sign or your sun sign. I recommend listening for a rising sign if you have it, but if you don't, you can listen for your sun sign or any other sign you would like to listen to. The timestamps in the YouTube video will be below and in the podcast they'll be in the show notes. Okay, let's get started. Leo and Leo rising. Leo characterizes your first house of identity 
and self and how you come into situations, how you approach things. So what that means is that this is a very celebration of self-oriented lifetime for the Leo or the Leo rising. The Leo rising in particular is going to have a kind of theme or a story of self that plays out over the lifetime that is focused on taking joy in who you are. And the Leo sun, as we talked about earlier in the episode, is going to have taking joy in who they are, in the constellation of traits that make them who they are, as the driving force in the life, the kind of becoming energy of the life, the spirit that fills you up and and creates what happens. <laughs> um, uh, last time I did a lot of like side notes about how inarticulate I am sometimes when I'm improvising. I'm going to try to minimize that this time, but it's very tempting to constantly call out how inarticulate I'm being. Okay, so Leo and Leo rising, experiencing the life really centered on and focused on enjoyment of being who you are. As we talked about earlier in the episode, there's a lot of different presentations of this from being very sort of ostentatious and vibrant in the way that you appear physically to simply having a kind of presence that people are drawn to because of its warmth and its vibrancy. Your seventh house is Aquarius. We will talk about that in the next episode in more detail, but the polarity that you contain as a Leo or a Leo rising is this Leo Aquarius polarity of celebration of the self and of celebration of the collective or awareness of the collective or responsibility to the collective that you find in Aquarius. Always important to remember that whatever sign we identify with, we contain the opposite sign as well. We may just kind of not identify with it as much. So when a Leo is looking for more balance in their life or in their Leo expression, it can be helpful to reach out for some of those Aquarius themes of responsibility to the collective and celebrating the group as, as opposed to simply the individual and understanding the ways that those things are connected. Okay, I'm thinking about what else I would like to say to Leo and Leo Rising. We've talked a lot about this stuff that I would I would focus on the most for Leo and Leo Rising in the rest of the episode. The constant work to be enjoying who you are, celebrating who you are as if you're looking at a child you're raising and being excited about who they're turning into but it's you. You're excited about who you're turning into. And then when that gets kind of captured by the survival mind, it becomes, I need other people to tell me that I'm great instead of I find my understanding of my own greatness within myself. So um, when we're struggling with the focus on the other, I've been thinking about this so much this week as I got into this episode and it's almost like I have too many thoughts on it. So simple little exercises that are like, what do I just enjoy 
about going through my day being who I am that have nothing to do with another person telling you that it's cool, that can be a good way for Leo to refocus and kind of come inward. There's, I think there's just like a mountain of things to dig into when it comes to basing our self-worth and our value on the things other people reflect back to us. And I, I am working on some stuff around that, but it's, it's probably going to take me a minute. So when I get to that, I'll come back and tag Leo um, to kind of dig in in more depth to what it means to celebrate the self without depending on the reflections of other people or the approval of other people um, to feel good about ourselves. But overall, uh, the Leo lifetime is a really beautiful, celebratory, creative lifetime where we come into fuller and fuller expression of our beautiful selves over the course of our lives. Cancer and Cancer Rising, Leo characterizes your second house. This is the house of self-worth and value. It's where we find how we value ourselves, and it also is where we often can see money coming in. Transits in the second house can often affect our financial situation. So for Cancer and Cancer Rising, the self-worth and value being characterized by Leo can mean that the Cancer needs to feel that they are getting attention. This can go sideways in the exact same way that any Leo can go sideways, right? Um, there's the joy of experiencing who you are and seeing people value who you are and seeing people appreciate that you're sharing who you are with them, right? That's like great Leo, Leo working great. And then there's getting too wrapped up in other people's opinions and having that sense of worth be really tied to what another person is telling us about ourselves. And that can take us way down and it can be uh, not great. So for the Cancer or Cancer Rising, the beauty of your Leo second house is that where you're identifying with this nurturing and caring capacity that you have, the your self-worth and value is coming in in this fiery and creative and self-celebratory way. And there can be balance in that, right, between the water and the fire, the moon and the sun. That can be very nice. Um, it can get a little tough for a Cancer Rising where they're putting out so much in caring for people and their identity, and then they're expecting to receive back lots of attention and lots of reflection of their value in that Leo second house. And if if that Leo second house isn't sort of inward focused of like, am I enjoying who I am and enjoying seeing that reflected back to me? And it's more my worth and value is dependent on people reflecting it back to me. Like all Leo, that can get out of hand. So we come back to, with any sort of Leo imbalance, either let's bring in the Aquarius and think about celebrating the collective as well. Not necessarily what I would always recommend for the often other-focused Cancer. Or we can come into 
just these little ways of enjoying who we are on a day-to-day -day basis that have no way of being reflected back to us by other people. We're just having a good time with ourselves. Maybe you you like get up and you sing to your cats in the morning. That's something I do. Um, and you're just having a great time <laughs> being that goofy person that you are. Those little things, noticing those little things you enjoy in yourself can bring balance back to Leo wherever you find it in the chart. I'll probably stop talking about that around the fifth house, I'm guessing. Okay, so Gemini and Gemini rising, Leo characterizes your third house. So Leo, again, shows us where we attract attention and it shows us where our enjoyment of ourselves and our sort of celebration of ourselves can emerge. And for Gemini, this is in the third house of day-to-day -day communications, the people you're talking to every day, the conversations you have every day, the little rabbit trails that you follow through your community as you move throughout a day. Um, there's something that intuitively makes sense about that for me. Third houses are often difficult to explain, but I feel like for Gemini, because Gemini energy kind of aligns with the third house, experiencing like creative joy and self-expression in that daily communication makes a lot of sense for Gemini. Um, it's also worth noting that your siblings show up in this house and your extended family shows up in this house. So you can see also sibling relationships being characterized by Leo energy. Either you receiving kind of a lot of attention in those sibling relationships, extended family relationships, or your siblings kind of viewing you as this attention, uh, attention getting person. I have less to say about Leo because there haven't been a lot of Leo transits. Um, we had a big Leo Aquarius eclipse cycle before the Cancer Capricorn eclipse cycle, but it's been a few years. Um, so these might be a little quicker than they usually are. Yeah, but I think that about that about covers it for our, our Gemini's. Leo is characterizing your third house of daily communication and the celebration of self that you experience as a Gemini can kind of emerge in that part of your life, the way that you find yourself communicating uh, with people every day. And even in your sibling relationships, it's always a little balance there. Okay, so Taurus and Taurus rising. Let me take a sip of coffee real quick. Okay. Leo characterizes the fourth house for Taurus and Taurus rising. This is the house of our origins, our family, and our roots. I said in the last segment uh, that the fourth house is the origin of kind of everything else in the house. The fourth house is how we experience our childhoods, which then blossoms out into our identity. It blossoms out into the way we show up in our 10th house, sorry, identity in the first house, the way we show up in the world, our reputation in the 10th house, the way we relate to partners. It, it roots everything. Um, yeah, I mean, some people 
would talk about the way that you were born being characterized by your first house, but still, still, the fourth house is the root of everything. So for a Taurus or a Taurus rising, we are rooted in having received a lot of attention in our childhoods. Now that can be good attention. It could be that you were very praised throughout your childhood. It also could be critical attention. Um, Leo doesn't necessarily mean that we're receiving positive attention. It just means that we're receiving attention. And so, but there is something about the Taurus personality that kind of emerges out of, like, I'm not worried about getting attention. That sort of chill, chillness of Taurus, it's a, it's a function to me in the way I interpret the Taurus personality of, like, attention, fine. Like, I, I'm rooted in attention. I feel comfortable in the amount, the amount of attention that I have received. Um, another thing that the Taurus fourth house can mean is that we are able to access this celebration of self and this excitement about who we are when we go back to our roots, back to our childhoods, back to our families. Um, an example of how this has worked for me in a way that really surprised me is that I, my career in astrology, such as it is, my, my pursuit of astrology seriously, and my relationship with my family and my connection to my family have progressed alongside each other. Like when I go back to um, how to express myself authentically, I'm always going back to how I was raised, to my relationship with my parents, to uh, what my family is and what my family's struggles have been and how my life represents a continuation of that struggle. Like I'm, I'm just constantly, my self-expression and my roots and origins really are linked in ways that I cannot untangle in any way. Um, you know, yeah, there's there's just a lot. Family and creative expression are connected for Taurus. There's different ways that that could show up, of course. There are undoubtedly uh, Tauruses who go into, like, family lines of work um, that allow them to express who they are, that kind of stuff. But it's very, very linked family and creative expression for a Taurus or a Taurus rising. And as you, as a Taurus untangle uh, conflicted, difficult feelings about childhood, creative expression kind of blossoms. Now, this isn't our fifth house. We have a Virgo fifth house. So there's a different Leo in the fifth house. They both have something to do with creative expression. But uh, Taurus can really benefit from understanding that the way that they are rooted, the way they experience childhood, and the way that they celebrate who they are and experience the joy of that those things are extremely connected. Aries. And Aries rising is a Leo fifth house. The energy of Leo characterizes your house of creative expression, sexuality, children, and fun. Now I just said there are overlapping themes 
between Leo and the fifth house. Leo is the fifth sign. The fifth house is the fifth house. And so creative expression, uh, sexuality, children, fun, all of those things are things we kind of find in Leo and the fifth house. So as an Aries, Aries rising, your experience of the houses is quite straightforward. So you get this creative, expressive uh, energy of Leo in the house that is about creativity and expression for you. So experiencing the joy of being an Aries or an Aries rising happens pretty straightforwardly in the sign where you express yourself creatively, you put out creative projects into the world, or you have children, or you have sex, or you're having fun, right? And so, um, yeah, it is straightforward. I'm always looking for something I can say that's a little bit more interesting. I don't know, guys. I guess it's kind of the same thing <laughs> as like as like uh, all the Leo advice. You know, look to experience the joy of your own creativity for its own sake instead of having it reflected back to you by others and basing your idea of the value of yourself and your creativity on the reflections work to find the joy of creating for the sake of creating it. That's Leo wisdom in the fifth house. Okay. Pisces or Pisces rising. Leo characterizes your sixth house of service, of the habits that contribute to our health, like how we eat, how we exercise, what kind of substances we consume, and it represents service. So we often find our employment situations in the sixth house because we are in service to someone else's goals and needs. You also, excuse me, you also would find um, any like volunteer work, that kind of stuff uh, in the sixth house. So sometimes when I think about the Leo sixth house, I think about the way we often associate Pisces with um, addiction and the visibility of Leo. So addictions often can show up in the sixth house because of the habit contributing to health kind of a thing. And it's almost like in Pisces, Leo makes that like pop out. It's like if you are struggling with any kind of addiction as a Pisces is a little more visible than it might be for some other people because Leo is characterizing that sixth house. Another thing that I think about about the Leo sixth house for Pisces is the fact that in my own life there is no reason for this that I can identify astrologically. Leos and Pisces are always showing up together. Um, they're very different signs Leo being super vibrant and attracting a lot of attention and fiery and Pisces being very um, mutable and sensitive and 
out there. <laughs> but I think about Pisces showing up to serve and balance Leo almost like um like there there is this kind of balance that can come between those two signs because Pisces is so different than Leo. They're almost opposites, mutable water and fixed fire. And I feel like that's got to be why I see them showing up together all the same times, all, all the time in couples and in individual personalities, I'm constantly seeing Leo and Pisces together. Anyway, I'm talking about your fifth house, Pisces, so or sixth house. So let me get back to that. Um, so I guess when I'm thinking about Leo sixth house, I'm thinking about Pisces showing up in service to Leo, Pisces finding Leos that it wants to help and wants to bring gentle sensitivity to. Um, I think that that can have a nice balancing effect sometimes. I also think it maybe could get out of hand occasionally. So that's something to consider if you are a Pisces with a lot of Leo companions. Um, that you might be showing up almost in service to them in a different way than like a seventh house relationship where it's a partnership. And I, I could see interesting things coming out of that. Not necessarily bad things, but it's worth, it's worth rolling around. Um, another thing about the Leo sixth house for Pisces would be a capacity to bring real vibrance and presence to daily work, day-to-day -day habits, and a way of finding creative passion for who you are in your service to others. So that creative self-expression for Pisces might show up in the way that they are of service to other people. I feel like I'm being kind of weird because I'm used to recording it. Okay, I said I wasn't going to do a lot of asides. Okay, Aquarius and Aquarius rising. Leo is your seventh house of intimate partnerships and one-to-one -one relationships. So as we talked about earlier in the podcast, Aquarius and Leo are sister signs. They represent each other's perfect complement and opposite. Leo represents the celebration of the individual, the joy of being an individual completely unique to yourself. And Aquarius represents the collective, the fact that we are both, <laughs> we are individuals and also we're all the same thing. And in Aquarius, we really connect to the collective and we're aware of our responsibility to the collective, our, uh, our need to think as a collective, our beauty as a collective, right? All of those things are things that Aquarius owns. And so as an Aquarius rising, you're identifying more on that end. And in your partners, you're seeing more of the celebration of the individual, the the exciting, fun individuality and creativity, you might externalize that a little bit more and look for it in the people that you are connected to an intimate relationship. 
but we always contain both sides of our polarity. So you have plenty of Leo enthusiasm and creativity and celebration of self within you as an Aquarius, and it can be helpful if you're ever feeling unbalanced to sort of recognize your ownership of those qualities of being able to celebrate who you are and getting excited about who you are and enjoying who you are and kind of reach into that a little bit to get a little more balanced. Uh, that being said, having a Leo seventh house means that you might have a lot of partnerships that are characterized by people who are um, Leo-like, celebrating who they are, creative, performative, leaders, that kind of stuff. Um, it also means that, and I was just reminded of this today on Twitter, and I'm not going to be able to remember who said it, that you can see events in the life of your partner showing up in Leo. So when you have seventh house transits as an Aquarius rising, Leo transits and as an Aquarius rising, those might affect your partners, the people that you're close to. Very interesting. There's all different kinds of ways that this can show up for us. What else about a Leo seventh house? I'm not thinking of anything right now. But we have the Aquarius episode next week. So if I get anything new, I'll come back to it. <laughs> okay, so Capricorn and Capricorn rising. Leo characterizes your eighth house. This is the house of birth, death, and transformation. It's where we die to our old selves and are reborn as a new self. And you can kind of shorthand that theme into it's how we heal. It's a house of healing. Um, it's also a dark house, a house where we are confronting death and dealing with mortality, but often transits to the eighth house represent cycles happening in our lives, changes happening in our lives, the kind of metaphorical death. Um, although many people look for literal death in the eighth house as well. So when we are having the house of birth, death, and transformation characterized by the energy of Leo, which is exuberant and self-celebratory and uh, all of the things we've talked about, performative, fiery, stubborn, all those things. When that is characterizing your eighth house, you're looking at Again, I said this with Pisces rising, this might like be a visible part of you as a Capricorn. So like maybe your shifts and changes in life, the way that you heal ends up being very visible to people. You're not really able to keep that uh, behind closed doors because it's characterized by Leo and it's kind of out there. It also means that Celebration of who you are as a Capricorn or Capricorn rising can come out of these difficult life changes, right? Capricorn has such a genius for survival. It has such a genius for working with what it has. And so seeing celebration of that identity come out 
in these hard circumstances where we're getting through something tough, we're changing and we're healing, it makes sense for the Capricorn personality. Being able to get excited about who you are as a Capricorn means being able to get excited about how talented you are at working through difficult stuff and at healing and surviving and moving through challenging times. And that's part of how we can understand the Leo 8th house for Capricorn and Capricorn rising. If you're a Sagittarius or a Sagittarius rising, Cap... <laughs> if you're a Sagittarius or a Sagittarius rising, Leo characterizes your ninth house. So the Leo ninth house for Sagittarius means that this joy of self-expression, this joy of being who you are as a Sagittarius or Sagittarius rising um, ends up showing up in the house where you are exploring and learning new things and traveling, experiencing spiritual growth and adventure. Again, you can see the connection between that identity as a Sagittarius and the excitement and joy in being yourself showing up in the house that is about all those Sagittarius themes, the joy of growth and the joy of expansion and the joy of learning new things um, is coming in with that Leo ninth house. Again, Leo can also characterize a part of our charts that's very visible. And so for the Sagittarius or Sagittarius rising, their pursuit of growth and adventure and uh, spiritual heights, all that kind of stuff, those are visible things in them. They're out there for everybody to see with Leo characterizing the house. Scorpio. All right, if you're a Scorpio or Scorpio rising, Leo characterizes your 10th house of career and reputation. I'm just taking a moment here. Um, so the Scorpio or Scorpio rising is rooted in the energy of Aquarius. We'll talk about that next week in more detail, but the childhood is experienced in a very sort of um, held back observational way, not very exuberant or performative or celebratory of the self, right? And then what that results in, in the Scorpio's uh, public reputation as they grow up is that they end up being known for this way of sharing who they are that is very uh, public and seen and uh, and Leonian. So right now I'm thinking of a Scorpio and Scorpio rising, a double Scorpio I, I know, who of course has the Leo... 10th house and also has North Node in Leo. And so this is a person that means that that that's very emphasized for him, the Leo character traits. It's, he's like a super Leo 10th house. So when I think about him, I think about the fact that in his identity, his Scorpio identity, you would really just don't know what's going on with him on a day-to-day -day basis. He's not like necessarily 
sharing very openly how he's feeling about things. It, it's not clear what's going on with him. But he is so ready to perform and to share who he is and to share his like sort of dark Scorpio self with the world. Um, and he comes into his own as he allows himself to kind of perform in that way, to be seen um, and attract attention in his reputation. So this is maybe sort of a surprising thing about Scorpio. I don't think when people think about the Scorpio personality, they're always thinking about the reputation as being one that's very visible and performative and attention getting. But it definitely is part of the character of Scorpio that even though the identity doesn't show a lot and is very hidden, the public reputation ends up being a lot more like sparkly. Okay. If you are a Libra or Libra rising, Leo characterizes your 11th house of social circle and community. So this can mean that you find a lot of Leonian people in your social circles and the people you spend a lot of time with. Uh, maybe it's a performative group. <laughs> I'm thinking of like a group of actors in a Libra's social circle. That's just an idea. It doesn't mean that that's what's happening. Um, but you know, people who are getting out there, getting attention. Um, Leo 11th house for a Libra. Yeah, it also means that the place where Libra is experiencing the joy of being who they are and the, you know, just the creative joy of being a Libra happens in their social circle and in their community. So they see uh, the loveliness of being a Libra kind of reflected to them best in their, their community, the people that they spend time around in a group. And we've been talking about visibility um, in the part of your chart that has to do with Leo. So I would also add that Libra is visible in its social circles. It's very like, uh, it's popping out in the social circle. So you might know Libras or Libra risings who they're like very put together or they're cool in the social circle, right? That's kind of, that's kind of the vibe of the Leo 11th house for Libra. Okay, finally, if you're a Virgo or Virgo rising, Leo characterizes your 12th house of the unseen, the unconscious, and the connection to the karmic past. Um, 12 houses are difficult to wrap our arms around. And the thing I think of when I think of the Leo 12th house for Virgo is the fact that Virgos are often struggling to articulate their celebration of who they are, um, if they agree that they celebrate who they are at all. <laughs> um, but this is not like a, a, it doesn't mean that you can't achieve that celebration. In fact, when something characterizes your 12th house, it is deeply important to how your identity is showing up. It represents kind of the code and zeros that are behind 
how your identity ends, ends up manifesting. And so for Virgo and Virgo rising, the Leo 12th house, the enjoyment of who they are, the celebration of who they are is happening at an unconscious level. And it is that capacity, that um, unconscious processing of the joy of being a Virgo that then creates the Virgo presentation as the person who's going to help us get organized, help us know what to do, uh, help us get things done. I feel like that um, description is a little less elegant than I was able to make it in the last episode. And I'd like to articulate it better. Um, Here's what I would say. Virgo may feel like its celebration of self is in some way inaccessible, but it's not. It's just silent. It's just in the core of who you are, right? The deep, deep self. And so when Virgo wants to celebrate itself, it needs to come back into its intrinsic knowing. That's what it is. Okay, we're starting over, Virgo. <laughs> I'm going to leave this in the video, but I'll probably cut it out for the podcast. Who, who knows if I will. Okay, so the thing about Virgo is that it knows. That is the, the key trait of Virgo. It's the gut level knowing um, that it can come back to over and over again. And so if Leo represents what's very visible about us, in our chart, the Leo 12th house for Virgo is representing that the gut knowing, the ability to rely on what is unconscious, on the unseen, that is what's visible about Virgo. That's that's what's present. And it's also how Virgo can really celebrate itself. It's its capacity to be connected in that 12th house to what is unseen is so much of the beauty of the sign. So again, I'm not sure I got to elegance there. Uh, Always struggling with 12th house descriptions, but Virgo can know that it's specialness and it's the beauty of the Virgo self, at least just in this one little corner that is the way the houses are set up. So much of that is expressed in the connection to the unseen and the gut level knowing of Virgo. Okay, that is it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe to the podcast, review it on Apple Podcasts, and tell a friend about it if you like it because that helps me a lot right now. Also, to those of you who have left reviews, thank you so much. Uh, It helps people find the podcast, but it also just is personally very touching to me to see how this is affecting you and, and what you're making of it. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Have a wonderful weekend, and I will talk to you next week.